You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show about all things marketing, advertising, and communications. Thank you for joining us today. I am your host, Ted. Today, we have with us Bobby Sani from Ethnicity Matters. Bobby is a veteran and thought leader in the multicultural marketing and advertising industry. He was the head of multicultural marketing at Rogers Communications and has been a pioneer in developing and managing diversity and multicultural marketing initiatives for a number of best-in-class organizations. He's the co-founder and partner at Ethnicity Matters, a multicultural marketing and advertising agency dedicated to helping companies drive new growth and sales by engaging North America's fast-growing, big-spending, ethnic, and new immigrant communities. Bobby has earned national and international recognition for his work and thought leadership. He also loves teaching, having guests lectured at many universities, and regularly speaks at industry events and conferences across North America. Bobby has served a variety of advisory boards, including Imagine Canada, Siva Food Bank, Road Hockey to Conquer Cancer, and Credit Valley Conservation Foundation. Most recently, Bobby was elected to the Hockey Canada Board of Directors and is on a mission to help grow the game of hockey for all Canadians. Bobby earned his MBA from the Global Kellogg Schulich Executive MBA program with cross-cultural studies in Hong Kong, Germany, Miami, Chicago, and Toronto. He also holds a Bachelor of Science and Business degree from the University of Waterloo. Welcome, Bobby. That was a long intro. Thank you. Good night. I think we're, uh, we're <laughs> Good done. Night. We're done. <laughs> we're done. Thank right. you. Thank you. It's been, uh, it's been a slice. Thank you. No, thanks. Thanks for having me, Ted. I, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's a privilege and an honor to be here, and I'm uh, looking forward to chatting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, what's your origin story? Every superhero has one, so oh, if why don't you start I, off? If only I was a, a superhero. Uh, sure, uh, I'll, I'll tell you. I mean, I'll start right at the beginning. I was born and raised in uh, Brantford, Ontario, Canada, which is the uh, the home of the telephone uh, and also the home of Wayne Gretzky. So obviously it comes full circle with my, uh, my Hockey Canada story. But uh, born in Brantford, born and raised in Brantford uh, to immigrant parents. My, my parents immigrated to Canada from India in the 70s. So I had a wonderful childhood in, in Brantford, went to the University of Waterloo, where I did my uh, undergraduate degree in, in science and business. And from there, I'd say, uh, you know, in during uh, the science and business program and, and really through the, uh, the, the wonderful world of co-op and internships, I discovered the world of marketing. And uh, so once I, I graduated uh, university, I went to uh, the most multicultural city in Canada, Sault Ste. Marie, uh, Ontario, of course. No, just uh, very, totally. very multicultural. Very multicultural. Uh, no, so I went to Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. And, and that's really where I discovered the world of, of multicultural marketing completely by uh, accident. It was really out on the road in my first week, just doing some, some visits of, of lottery dealers or lottery retailers getting a lay of the land. And, and really the observation I had was, wow, I'm in Northern Ontario and the makeup of Northern Ontario is very different than you know, Southwestern Ontario and, and more specifically the greater Toronto uh, area. 
Uh, and I, a hypothesis I had was, hey, as, as more immigrants are coming to Canada and specifically Ontario and the greater Toronto area, there might be a bit of a communication gap. There might be a little bit of a broken telephone game between companies like the, like the Lottery Corporation, uh, dealers that are effectively selling the, the products of the Lottery Corporation, and then ultimately the end uh, consumer. Um, you know, a lot of different people, uh, a lot of different language proficiencies, uh, a lot of different preferences. So maybe there's a bit of a language gap or broken telephone going on here. Like I said, it was a complete hypothesis. Uh, I wrote that as a, as a two-page overview of what I think. I gave it to my director at the time. He scratched his head and said, interesting, never, never thought about this. Why don't you keep picking away at this? And essentially, six months later, my, my full-time job became uh, you know, ethnic marketing or, or multicultural marketing at uh, the OLG, and, and I really haven't looked back since then. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of the origin story. And after the, uh, the Lottery Corporation, I... I went over to uh, ICICI Bank, which is an Indian bank that uh, came to Canada uh, a number of years ago, and they were looking for somebody who not only understood, uh, you know, quote unquote, mainstream marketing in Canada, but hey, do you understand, um, you know, how to position an Indian brand amongst, say, South Asians in Canada or even uh, amongst mainstream audiences in Canada? So uh, that was quite an experience. And then uh, I got recruited into Rogers or headhunted into Rogers. Um, and, and had a, a, a wonderful uh, career at Rogers. I think to this day, a lot of people still know me as the Rogers multicultural guy. I just can't shake that reputation uh, and, and absolutely learn a lot about um, uh, various multicultural communities and, and really how marketing in Canada is essentially changing. And um, yeah, what can I tell you from there? I went back to school. Uh, I did my executive MBA because I, I felt ultimately I'm going to want to become an entrepreneur. Uh, so I did the Kellogg Schulich program with study experiences in in Toronto, in Germany, in Hong Kong, in uh, Miami, in Chicago, um, and uh, and yeah, from there before I became an entrepreneur, the, one of the best pieces of advice I got was. If you're going to run your own business, get some sales experience. Uh, if you don't have any, and especially the reason why you need sales experience is if you're going to be in business for yourself, number one, you gotta you gotta get used to selling, and more importantly, you gotta get used to rejection uh, as well. So I did a very short stint, about eight months at the Toronto Star, in a new content marketing uh, agency that the Toronto Star had had started. And eight months after I uh, I left the uh, the security of and the comforts of the corporate world. My my wife was pregnant with our second child, and she was wow. not working. And then, yeah, I uh, I quit my job, and and that's when we started uh, ethnicity multicultural marketing. And uh, that's kind of the origin. And and you know, I haven't really looked back since then. Well, it's pretty fascinating. I mean, that's quite the journey, and you've been all over the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, you said I think you said Hong Kong, Germany, Miami, like. Were there any differences that you saw when it came to multicultural marketing in, in those different areas and those, those different parts of the world? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the reasons why I did, I did the, the executive MBA program I did was because it had this global component. And, and, you know, my thought again is as Canada becomes more and more multicultural, we need to understand you know, not only from a marketing perspective, but just really from a business perspective, what makes consumers different and, and what makes cross-cultural business different across the different geographical and cultural boundaries. 
not not like the courses I was taking associated to the program were MB or were multicultural marketing specific, but there was a large degree of cross cultural business and cross cultural marketing. And, you know, just to live in and study in and interact with students, you know, within those countries, but really students uh, from across the world um, and just, uh, you know, their understanding of business and, and really just business norms and practices, all sorts of of nuances that we, you know, as, as Canadian business leaders need to be aware of because um, it's just such a different world out there. You know, what is normal to the quote-unquote average Canadian may be very different to an immigrant or an entrepreneur that might be coming here from, say, Asia or Europe or, or Latin America. You know, one of the best examples I can give you, we had a course in Germany in cross-cultural marketing, and uh, our final assignment was you got to make a five-minute skit on doing business in blank country, pick whatever country you want, and the skit's got to be funny. And the funnier it is, the higher your marks are going to be. Okay, sounds easy enough. We're in groups. So my group consisted of myself, a, a Canadian, an American, three Germans, and a Russian. I can tell you that to do a five-minute skit, it took us four days to wow. figure out, firstly, come to a consensus of, well, which country are we going to pick? What's funny in, you know... It, it, across these communities, but I, because I can tell you, humor amongst, say, Canadians or Americans is very different than humor for a Russian or a German. And and trying to explain, hey, guys, this is funny. No, this is really funny to, you know, a, a small group of, of five individuals. Uh, it, it was a really tough exercise, but very eye-opening as well. You know, and, and, and you think about, you know, the, the application for that for me or the parallel draws, you think about marketing and advertising in Canada and we think of, you know, what we see in, in, in mass media or, quote, mainstream, you know, advertising. What's funny to one individual or one group of people may not resonate with, with other cultures. We are not a homogeneous country by any means. I mean, just look at Quebec as an example. What yeah. is funny in Toronto and Vancouver is not necessarily going to fly in Montreal or vice versa. So we really have to pay attention to those uh, those nuances across cultures, the fact that we are all very unique, um, because it, it was it was very much an eye-opening experience. And I can tell you, I'm, I'm still on a, on a journey learning. Uh, and I've been at this for 20 years. So I, I think we all have a lot to learn in this space. So have you brushed up on your Russian stand-up comedy? You know, have you oh, watched any, any on Netflix or anything like that, or the Russian equivalent of that? Oh, you, 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 I, I, I walk down the streets of Moscow, and I've got people... <laughs> tearing my clothes off and I'm signing autographs <laughs> left and right. Uh, no, no, absolutely not. Um, but it was really eye-opening for me to understand, even just to be able to connect with, you know, my, my classmates in a situation like this, to really understand in some ways how similar we are, but also how different and unique we are. Yeah. You know, one of the eye-opening experiences for me is I'm, I'm, I'm very much a, a pro-Canadian, a proud Canadian um, and, and we're often, you know, we often think about how, hey, we are very different than Americans as well. You know, that's something that we all in Canada talk about. But when you are outside of Canada or if you're outside of North America, you actually see certain common 
you know, commonalities and common patterns. And, and I would say in this particular case, when we're talking about humor, myself and the American were like jiving. Yeah, we, we had an understanding. We were like, yeah, that's so funny. And whether it was based on sarcasm or, or whatever it might be, you know, that was hilarious to us. Whereas the Germans in this case were like, that's not funny. <laughs> like, it just, you know, you, it's really interesting to see those, those nuances there. Well, then with, with humor being absolutely something that I think is really in the moment and specific to a particular culture, do you, in marketing, use humor then? Or because, like you just said, it's, it's so different. Or is it, you know, hiring the right writers? Or, or, or how do you do that? All of the above, uh, to be honest. I mean, I think what we have to look at, especially in, in, in the world that I come from in multicultural marketing, Really, the goal is to find cultural relevancy, um, you know, with the consumers or the communities that we are speaking to. Um, you know, some of the the cues that that we look for, you know, right off the bat are, are images, style, and and language. Right. I mean, I think we all have heard how much representation matters, mm-hmm. and when we see, you know, positive portrayals of ourselves reflected in in media, in mainstream, in film and television, whatever it might be, it makes us feel like that that particular company or that brand or organization is, is speaking directly to us. It feels like that they have recognized us as important consumers and, and, and we're able to, to relate from that perspective. You know, language, a lot of people think, well, the default is if, if I translate my advertising, I'm going to connect with these audiences. And, and in a lot of cases, absolutely. Language, you know, having your communication in the language of, of comfort uh, for a particular audience or, or a consumer group, absolutely, that's, that is what's required. But in a case, and I'll use humor again, you know, English is spoken in Canada. English is spoken in the UK. English is spoken in, in Jamaica. English is spoken in India. But again, the ideas of humor across all of these, you know, cultural communities or countries is going to be very different. So we can't assume that just because we have our communication in a particular language, we are going to connect or resonate with a particular audience. Uh, and lastly, for me, it's it's style, and I think style has to do with it could be everything from from humor or certain themes, you know, that are going to resonate with with cultural communities, and and certain ones will will not. I think the reason I say all this is when brands or organizations do want to tap into the growth of the ethnic and new immigrant communities, there's not a cookie cutter set formula out there that says, hey, if you translate your ads, you're going to do fine. Or if you put a couple of, you know, some diverse talent in your ad, you're going to hit a home run. There's an art and science to this practice. And like I said, for myself, I've been at it for 20 years and I'm still I still feel like we're just getting started. You know, I still feel like we're scratching the surface. So I think there, it's a very powerful marketing tool. I think all businesses, uh, especially operating in Canada, need to understand how to connect with these communities. But it's not something that we can just, you know, flip the switch and say, hey, we're multicultural now. All right, let's party. So it doesn't well, work Absolutely. Out. And, and I, I'm always curious because, you know, I myself... Being a first-generation immigrant, I think that's what, what we call it. Uh, my parents uh, are from Hong Kong, and and you know I have clients come come to me and going, you know, we want to tap into the X community and and Y community. And yeah. to your point, it's just like we want to translate or we want to, 
you know, leverage some, some motif from that culture. And, and for myself, it's like, well, that's, that's kind of like cultural appropriation. You really want to steer clear of that. How do you educate and maybe for the people listening today, like uh, as marketers, how do we educate those that we're working with about those sensitivities, especially around like today with, you know, truth and reconciliation, black lives matter, you know, stop Asian hate, all that kind of stuff that's going on. Yeah. How does marketing play a role and how do we stay sensitive to, to every group, but still forward our clients' message? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. Let me actually back it up and create a level playing field for everybody you know, that might be listening. Um, number one macro factor that we have to understand is that Canada is an aging population, right? Number two... We as a country don't have enough babies. I'm doing my part. I just had my third baby a few Yay, months ago. Congratulations, so buddy. I, uh, thank you, man. I'm, I'm doing what I can as a proud Canadian to, contri- to contribute to population <laughs> growth. Uh, so I encourage everybody else to do the same. So anyway, aging population, not having enough babies. Because of those two reasons, that is why we have such an aggressive immigration policy in Canada. You know, the reality is that if there was no immigration in Canada by the year 2031, we would actually have a declining population. And that is very dangerous for a country uh, of our side. If you don't have population growing, uh, you know, you don't have people that are doing the work. You don't have people paying the taxes. And we essentially lose our our whole infrastructure um, that we depend on. So immigration, in essence, is a growth strategy for the country. It's got to be a growth strategy for every company. Now, that being said, as immigrants come to Canada They bring with them um, habits or experiences or preferences from back home, something that I collectively call their cultural baggage. This is not meant to be a a derogatory term in any way. It's essentially their preferences uh, and their experiences that they're bringing from back home to Canada. Now, that is something that Canadian companies really need to understand. Because depending on the category that you operate in or your, your particular brand, either they have, they have an experience with you from back home or they don't. In both cases, that's an opportunity for each and every company in Canada. But you as a company need to figure out, well, what side of the coin are you on so you can actually develop your strategies accordingly. If they have no experience with the category, if they have no experience with your brand, you have a blank slate. It's blue ocean. You can essentially paint whatever picture you want in the minds of those consumers. You can make it be whatever you want it to be. However, if they have experience interacting within a certain category or brand from back home, you have to figure out how can you leverage you know, that mindset or, or the insights from back home and what, what is that going to mean for them in life in Canada now today? That's kind of the, uh, you know, the, the, the essence of, of what we're looking at here. The one step further, though, is and this is what you had, had touched upon earlier, There is diversity within diversity as well. You know, we cannot assume that there is a one-size-fits-all for all different uh, ethnic communities. And that is where we're treading a fine line and almost getting into things like stereotyping and cultural appropriation and all those sort of things. You know, I often have clients come to me and say, Bobby, we want to reach the South Asian community, full stop. 
And my question to them is, great, I happen to be a South Asian. My mother happens to be a South Asian. My wife happens to be a South Asian. Who are you trying to reach? Because we are all very different. What I'm going to buy, where I'm going to buy it, when I'm going to buy it, how I'm going to buy it, will very likely be very different than the habits of my mother or even my wife. So as, as organizations, as marketers, we can't forget you know, our traditional marketing frameworks and tools of understanding our customer. Ethnicity is one layer. It's one dimension. Um, it, is, it is absolutely, it, it matters. There is a lot that we can learn from an individual's ethnicity in terms of what their preferences might be. But again, that is a starting point. We really have to peel back the, the onion, the layers, and, and really understand um, a little bit more about the consumer as well. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. In your travels marketing to so many different communities, have you found any common ground? You know, I mean, you talked about having babies. I mean, I have a kid, right? And everyone yeah. cares about their family and, and doing well and taking care of what's theirs. And so any any common ground that you've seen that maybe we, we can tap into? 100%. I, I mean, and I think that is where, you know, that is where strategy is so important as well right i think there is absolutely a number of universal truths not just amongst you know multicultural communities or new immigrant communities but just all of us as humans as well right so we there's absolutely going to be common denominators that we can tap into and if we can uncover those commonalities or those common denominators that's where you're going to get a lot of marketing efficiencies as well you know that is where you can come up with a big idea or a campaign, and that same big idea is relevant amongst multiple ethnic communities. Whereas I think what scares a lot of individuals that are you know, thinking about multicultural marketing or have even engaged in multicultural marketing, they're thinking, oh my God, there's, too many, there's so many different language groups. There's so many cultural communities. We can't be everything for everyone. We don't have budget you know, to support all these different communities, let's just keep doing what we've always done. Again, the reality is if you take the time, if you have a cohesive and sound strategy, 
that looks across you know, the various growth targets that you might have out there. What are the commonalities? What are the common denominators? Like you, you just said babies as an example. You know, I, I, I told you that as Canadians, we're not having enough babies, but I can tell you it's the immigrant communities that buck that trend. South Asian and African immigrants actually have more babies than the general population. Household size amongst Chinese and South Asian is greater than the general population. So family is very important. Children is very important. You know, there's a lot of other themes that I could tap into. It could be passion points, certain sports, certain types of music, certain types of entertainment. You know, if you take a game like cricket as an example, it is a, a massive game played in India as an example. But guess what? Commonwealth countries all play cricket. So you take one sport like cricket, you have an opportunity to tap into to countries or communities like India, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, the UK, Australia, South Africa, the Caribbean. Like it just, there's a lot of opportunity out there if we take the time to actually understand what are some of the common denominators that we can tie together. In terms of stats, like a lot of our clients, you know, we talk about, let's just not do a bunch of vanity type marketing, but you know, they really ultimately care about impacting the bottom line. That's, that's one part of uh, any business success. So do you have any stats or any kind of data that you share with your clients when you meet with them to talk about why making this move into multicultural marketing makes sense for their business? Yeah, absolutely. So if if we look on a a macro basis, um, the Canadian population today, it's it's one in five is uh, foreign born. So 20% of the population. That today is equivalent to the size of the province of Quebec. So most companies that are operating in Canada have realized that if we want to win in Quebec, as an example, we need a unique strategy. We need a unique game plan. We can't just take our, you know, whatever is working for us in Ontario or the rest of English-speaking Canada and hope for the best in, in Quebec. We need a unique approach. The same holds true for the multicultural and new immigrant communities. The but to that is, you know, I mentioned today it's one in five Canadians being foreign-born. In the next 10, 15 years, that's going to go to one in three. So multicultural is increasingly becoming the majority. So one way, you know, whether we like it or not today, right now I'm calling it multicultural marketing, and I'm almost, you know, telling companies and corporations that they they need to focus on this audience as a, as a unique segment. They need to tap into the unique insights. And if you do so, uh, you're going to grow your, your business. The reality is in the next 10, 15, 20 years, that's really going to be reflective of, of what mass marketing is. That is what the majority is going to be. So we all need to understand how this demographic shift is, is changing the face of, of the country um, you know, for the masses as well, not just from a, uh, you know, a, a siloed or, or niche multicultural opportunity. Multicultural is absolutely becoming the majority. Um, if I had to further, you know, make the argument of why multicultural, and I'll, I'll use an example of, you know, a, a CPG company or, or a, a grocery store or even a bums and seats type of business like movie theaters or concerts or sporting events the average household size of of an ethnic household and i'll use chinese and south asian as as um, you know just for example 
they're greater than the national average. So the ROI of targeting an ethnic household is actually greater. Why? Because there's more mouths to feed there's, and there's more potential bums in seats as well. The other interesting nugget, you know, when, when it comes to these communities, and, and I think you would, you know, we touched on this as well, with so many of these communities, family is so imperative to them. You know, I'll take the movie theater business as an example. You could be selling tickets to a Hollywood blockbuster to a quote-unquote mainstream audience, and you might be selling two tickets at a time. You have a family-friendly movie. Look, it could be a, a Bollywood movie for all uh, for that matter. You're going to be selling 12 tickets at a time. Why? <laughs> because you're going to have mom, dad, kids, uncles, aunts, grandparents, the neighbors all coming out to watch that film. Obviously, I'm generalizing here. That's not the case for everybody. So everybody listening, you know, on the line, don't, don't, <laughs> don't, don't go all crazy. I'm, I'm making a bit of a generalization there. But the reality is that even in that family structure, there are differences that we have to understand. And, and we can tap into those differences to actually help our, our business growth. Uh, and I can tell you also that these changes in demographics in Canada is actually shifting the way companies are doing business. Forget marketing. I mean, if you look at the grocery store industry, you've got all sorts of grocers that are, they could be, you know, buying ethnic grocery chains like TNT supermarkets. Well, that's what Loblaws did a number of years ago. They could be creating completely separate brands like Cello Fresco, which is what Sobeys had done uh, a number of years ago to, to cater to the South Asian audience. Um, we've got all sorts of brands that are engaged in product development, um, you know, looking at the unique tastes as an example or, or palettes of ethnic communities and how do we better engage them. I'll even tell you about home builders in Canada. You know, the, the fact that many of these uh, ethnic households do have larger families, extended families, many of the homes being built in certain suburban subdivisions are being built with two master bedrooms standard as an example. Why? Because you've got, you know, mom and dad, and then you've got the, whether it's the in-laws or the grandparents or whatever it might be. I mean, that's just showing how, you know, the, the dynamics are shifting and changing of, of business. Marketing is one piece of the puzzle, but business is changing. And, and I think it's fascinating. You know what? That's absolutely true. We, my company does a lot of work with uh, the local Vancouver Home Builders Association. A lot of the builders here absolutely are building to that marketplace. I remember walking, doing a tour around one of the, the spec homes that one of my clients was building and they had a back kitchen and, and yeah. back kitchen for a lot of people in, in my culture, Chinese culture is for the frying so that you fry all the food in the, the stinky part, the back kitchen absolutely. where nobody sees. And then you have the bigger kitchen so that you can, you know, actually show cook for everybody and show yeah. off a little bit. Right. And so <laughs> yeah. that, that is true. And, and, um, that, that's a very interesting point. I want to move to digital. So on the digital front, you talked about, you know, bumps and seats and whatnot, but I want to talk about apps. So, you know, the different platforms, we all know Facebook, Twitter, Insta, right? Pinterest, but there are multicultural niche platforms as well. Uh, being Chinese, I, I know about WeChat. Yeah. Is there uh, other platforms that you, you would advise your clients to focus on when, when they're making their multicultural marketing strategy? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think one end of the spectrum, like you just mentioned, is understanding. It could be apps. It could be media, for for that matter, just a, on a macro basis. Understanding the the media that is unique 
to ethnic audiences, like you mentioned, WeChat. Obviously, if if you are a company that's trying to engage Chinese、uh, consumers, you, you got to have a WeChat strategy in some capacity. Doesn't necessarily mean you need to have an official account or or whatnot, but you've got to you've got to understand how to use this as a tool to engage this audience because it's just you know the the vast majority of Chinese in 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 Canada are are. Interacting or engaged in WeChat in one capacity or another. There's a number of other,、um, you know, apps and 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 platforms out there that are specific to ethnic communities. Like there are, there is a, there's a Korean version of of WeChat as an example.、Uh, I can't remember what the the name is just now, but there's an app specific to that community. But I think what's also inter- interesting is how we can understand to use. More call it your your traditional apps and platforms like a Facebook, like an Instagram, like a Twitter, WeChat, LinkedIn.、Um, how can we use these platforms to engage ethnic audiences as well? And there's a lot of things that we can do. Data is so powerful now, right? We don't have to guess anymore. There's so much that we can do to understand these consumers a little bit better, and actually use some of these tools to engage them as well. You know, Facebook, as an example, you can identify audiences based on their their preferences or or, or other things that they are are liking. So, if it is cricket, if it is Bollywood, if it is whatever it might be, there's a lot of different ways in. Uh, to use even some of these more traditional platforms to I- identify ethnic audiences and engage with them as well. Awesome. Okay, let's、uh, let's move on to sports. Sure. So I checked out your video, your Hockey Canada Board of Directors video on on your, on your LinkedIn, on your Facebook,、mm-hmm. and、uh, showed you and your brothers playing hockey and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you you grew up in.、Uh, Wayne Gretzky Town. I'm I'm surprised they haven't changed it to Gretzky Town yet. But yeah, tell me about that and and how how that came about. You look pretty fit. COVID, you know, and all you you look pretty fit.、Uh, we're we're looking at each other for the audiences, just so you know. And、uh, you know, just wanted to understand how you got in there, and that's a very exciting opportunity. What what your what your hope is in terms of your contribution. Yeah, I mean, I'd say, look, growing up, I mean, I'm born and raised in Canada, and, and like a lot of kids growing up in in this country that were fans of hockey, it was a dream to, you know, represent your country and play for Team Canada. So, you know, when I when I was first introduced to hockey, I think I was probably about seven or eight years old by, you know, some some very good family friends of mine who I would consider brothers of mine. They introduced me to the game. You know, played road hockey and floor hockey like a lot of other kids, but and always wanted to to play ice hockey. But the reality is, I, I couldn't skate number one, and I didn't really have anyone to teach me、uh, to skate either. My parents are Indian immigrants; they don't know anything about hockey.、Um, always encouraged me to play sports and that sort of thing, but I, it's something I never really pursued, you know, to the fullest. The other reason was. Growing up in Canada again, by the time you're seven and eight, some kids are on skates. You know, by their by the time、Before、they're one they or two、walk. years old, like、Before、they're they walking around exactly.、Yeah. So I had, I had I felt like I had missed my window of opportunity. So I, I was more than happy just playing, you know, road hockey and, and floor hockey and that sort of thing. Fast forward to you know I'm in my I was in my mid thirties. I had my first child, my first son Jordan. And I was talking to my wife, who actually happens to be an Australian, so doesn't know anything about hockey either. And I said, "Knows her, cricket, I imagine." She knows cricket. She taught me cricket as well.、Um, but I told her, I said, 
you know what? I always wanted to play ice hockey and I never did it. Now we have a, a son. What if he wants to learn how to play? Uh, and I said, you know, I, I want, I want, I want to be a part of that experience. So I actually, at age 35, joined a learn to play league. Um, awesome. And and you know, convinced uh, five other buddies to to come with me. And hey, it'll be fun. Let's do it. I think I I was able to make convince them because we were all at a bachelor party in Miami, and I, I think it was you know the middle of the night, and and everybody was <laughs> a, a, few little bit, a few drinks down, and everybody said, "Yeah, let's go play ice hockey." So like anyway, courage, baby. We did that for the year for a year, and and basically ever since then, uh, you know, fell in love with ice hockey, uh, and and have just wanted everybody uh, to try the sport, play it, and and I think. Where things really started to to change for me was, uh, you know, my kids play the sport now, you know, and I, I look back to when I was a kid and I'm like, man, if I had played, started playing when I was seven or eight years old, I mean, what would my life be like today? Not, I mean, I, I don't think I would have ever made it to the NHL or anything like that, but I just, I feel like it's such an important part of my life now because it, I just, I think it's so much fun. And I, I just feel like, you know, I don't want anyone to miss out. So I think now, you know, fast forward to being elected to the Board of Hockey Canada, which is such a it's, it's such an honor to be a part of that. And like I, I, I've often said, I feel now like I'm playing for Team Canada, but it's in the boardroom versus the ice. But I feel I think what's what's so interesting and unique about this experience is, you know, I want to be at the table and, and to ensure that the game is accessible to as many people as possible. You know, irrespective of ethnicity or religion or gender or economic class or whatever it might be, let's make this sport as accessible to as many people as possible. Let's get as many people playing the sport as possible. Absolutely, we want to see, uh, obviously, we want to continue to to dominate on the international level. But, hey, even if it just means we got kids you know, that are learning to skate and, and to shoot a puck around, you know, that's, that's more than enough. And the other thing that I will say that I have now learned now being a hockey parent as well and, and seeing my kids go through hockey, you know, there's so much that we can learn. Kids can learn. Parents can learn from, from this sport as well. Everything from, you know, sportsmanship to discipline to winning and losing to, just getting out of your comfort zone as well. It's a game that has a lot to offer to Canadians, to all Canadians, including newcomers coming to this country. So I, I'm definitely on a mission to, to you know, try and get as many people playing uh, the sport as possible. So, Ted, if you haven't started playing or, uh, you know, your, your family's not into <laughs> it, I, I highly recommend it. It'll change your life. That's fantastic. I mean, just like yourself, you know, childhood immigrant, I didn't learn to ice skate really until I was 29. And the only reason was because my wife, when she was growing up, did figure skating and she kind of always oh, said, Oh, I wish, you know, we could go skating together on a date. And it was <laughs> one of our anniversaries. I snuck away and pretended I was going to martial arts class or whatever I was doing and took some secret, secret, you know, skating lessons at 29. And it was me and four other ladies from Afghanistan, right? So, <laughs> so, so, and they were like, "Hey, you, your English is good. So, you know, how, didn't you learn to skate here?" I'm like, "No. Where, where were you born?" I'm like, "Canada." Like, yeah. very, you know, bears like a Canada, but that happens, and I think that's great. I, I wanted to pick your brain on the the sports diversity inclusion, right? You're you're hearing 
about things in, in NFL, NHL, obviously as well, um, different sports arenas and, and given, you know, your, your kids are playing in this sport and it's predominantly growing up. My hockey heroes were, were, didn't look like you and me, right. They, yeah. they, they look kind of more mainstream. And so, um, how, how do you, how do you talk to your kids about that? Or is it, is the landscape different? How do you educate the board of hockey Canada? Is there, you know, any insights there? Yeah, I, I think sports is an interesting, just the whole field of, of sports is so interesting from a multicultural perspective. If I look at it from a business perspective, if you look at professional sports leagues and teams in Canada, they've got work to do in terms of engaging their future fans. And, and mm-hmm. this is the same argument for any other business in Canada. There's a demographic shift going on in Canada You've got to figure out how to be relevant to that changing face of the country. And if you are not, you will slowly become irrelevant. Or there's an ethnic entrepreneur out there that's going to figure out how to fill the gap that you might be leaving. So for for really all the sports teams, leagues, at, at various levels, everybody has some work to do to figure out, well, what does our sport mean to the various diverse communities out there uh, in Canada? I think what you will see in the coming years, again, it's it's just, we see it right across Canada. Multicultural is increasingly becoming more and more mainstream. We see it in, you know, the highest levels in politics. We see it in entertainment. We see it in media. We're starting to see it in, in sports and entertainment uh, more often now as well. So I, I think we'll, we will start to see more representation of diverse communities in professional sports, uh, you know, in, in the next call it generation or so. But I think a lot of it also starts with creating more positive experiences in sports and and showcasing that sports is for everybody. And anyone can become that professional hockey player, basketball player, soccer player, football player, whatever it might be. You know, I I often, I I look at the U.S., you know, the fact that... um, I remember growing up hearing, oh, there will never be a black president in the U.S. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw Barack Obama get elected, right? We now have seen a half black, half South Asian female vice president in the U.S. And if 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 that doesn't tell you that anything is possible, like, I don't know what else would. So for, for me, I think the more we we see and create more positive experiences uh, for diverse communities in, in sports as a whole, you know, the, the more we're going to see representation of, of diverse communities at all levels of the sports as well. And for, for me, you know, in particular in hockey, absolutely. I would love to see more diversity on the ice, right? But we've got to see it in all aspects of the game. The, the fact that in this country, hockey night in Canada is being broadcast in Punjabi that's a huge indicator of, of what the sport uh, means in Canada and, and really how influential and how important the ethnic communities are as well. So I think we've got to see it in all aspects of the sport, within the sport itself, behind the scenes, behind the benches, in marketing, in business, in ticket sales, in sponsorship sales, in development, uh, right across the board, we've got to see that. That's awesome. I'm going to move a, a little bit to, I think, I'm not sure if it's a sensitive topic or not, but I was thinking, you know, coming from uh, multicultural families, you and I, we come from fairly traditional backgrounds, right? And so uh, gender equality, I think, has been something that has been talked about a lot, obviously in the mainstream, 
uh, there's the Me Too movement and all those kinds of things. And is there like, what do we need to do from, from our standpoint, from being members of, of our community to promote that part of the diversity inclusion conversation? Because, you know, that, that part of marketing is, is important too, right? Absolutely. And I think, I think that's where, you know, I, I talked about the notion of cultural baggage comes in, you know, it's so important. Uh, I, I think there's there's certain cultural nuances and experiences from back home that we need to be aware of, but we also have to be aware of life in Canada and what life in Canada means and, and how it can be very different than anything that has been experienced before. Um, I, I say for, for certain individuals in certain communities you know women are at the forefront of all things you know be it business medicine politics you know whatever it might be and and i think that's something that needs to be continued to be celebrated uh, as well there's other other cultural communities again the the role of of the woman might be a little bit different back home so i think again as you know as as brands and organizations look at diversity within Canada, they need to also understand the experiences of the various genders and what they may have been exposed to back home, but also what it could be and should be here in Canada as well. Um, you know, I've, I've talked to many organizations that will have uh, or will be creating a strategy to engage more women, you know, whatever it might be for their brand. What I like to remind them of is that, look, even amongst women, there is diversity within diversity. The experiences of a Chinese woman might be very different than the experiences of a woman that was, you know, born and brought up in in Canada or the UK or another part of the world. Like we have to understand that there are these these differences, these nuances, and and by understanding and un- uncovering these nuggets, that's how we're going to actually be more meaningful to as, as many customers as as possible. Okay. Awesome. Well, let, let's, uh, let's, let's go into lightning round. I wanted to just fire off some questions and, and kind of get to know Bobby a little bit. Sure. All right. Favorite childhood movie. Favorite childhood movie, you know, of late, it's kind of come back to karate kid. You know, I used to right? love the karate kid as a kid. It's like, I forgot all about it. You watch Cobra Kai? Oh my God. I love Cobra Kai. It's it was so bad and so good at the same time. A hundred percent. And, uh, and yeah, it's all, I, I think it's all about the karate kid. Favorite, uh, business book or marketing book you've read as of late that you want to share? Uh, it's actually an old book. Uh, it's got the worst title in the world, but it's Dale Carnegie. Um, how to win friends and influence people. It's not the book you want to be, you know, sitting at uh, on a beach reading because people walking by think that you've got, you know, you might be socially awkward and don't know how to make friends. But it is a very important business book. And I think the teachings in that book are so timeless and universal that everybody should be reading that book. And I was only introduced to it a, a few years ago, but just reading it has just, uh, I, I agree with everything in that book. So definitely read that book. Yeah, I agree. I was probably one of the first books I read for self-improvement, you know, early on in my career. And I just remember thinking, you know, wow, this is from the 1920s or something Mm -hmm. like that was it from? And uh, yet it was still so applicable today. So I think that's, that's great. What about um, any life hacks, any life hacks that you can share? A life hack. Oh gosh. Give me an example. Just prompt me. (laughs) Yeah. I'll give you an example. My, my daughter just taught me a life hack. So we went to Starbucks 
the other day and she ordered a venti no a trenta the bigger one the biggest size of some kind of kiwi strawberry lemonade and ordered four cups of ice okay and basically made four tall drinks out of one order and she saved her friends seven bucks so instead of having four orders they ordered one big drink and split it into you know four tall drinks pretty good that is pretty uh pretty awesome i i look i'm 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 indian and we we have a lot of hacks (laughs) Uh, i'm just for some reason i'm i'm blanking on them now but let me let me think about it and get back to you on that one all right cool piece of advice that you would give somebody that is starting out in this journey be it someone that's a seasoned uh, multicultural marketer someone that's just graduate and getting in what's what's the biggest piece of advice you could give them I'll probably give two pieces of advice. One for anyone, you know, looking at multicultural marketing as a field, but also I think from from, from an entrepreneurship standpoint as well. Uh, I think I can give some advice. So, first piece of advice, I think this is absolutely a a journey and you've got to look at it as if you are helping to write the book. You, you there's no book to read on this. The, the biggest thing in multicultural marketing that I feel is, is you've got to have curiosity uh, and, and empathy for people and really understand you got to take the blinders off. And we cannot assume that what is going to be relevant and what will relate to you will do it for all other communities. And I think if, if you can go into that knowing that people are different, and what I'm going to like and what I'm going to buy and what I'm not going to buy might be different than the next person. I think that is what will make you a successful multicultural marketer. It does not matter your ethnicity. It does not matter if you speak different languages. I think you just have to understand that people are different and they have different needs and we have to be able to cater to those different needs. I think as an entrepreneur, you know, the one message I would have or advice I would give is, is again, to, to go into this with eyes wide open. It's not for everybody. I, I think one of the biggest misconceptions when it comes to entrepreneurship, and I remember so many people saying to this to me when I first started the company, they'd say, oh, wow, congrats. You're, you are your own boss now. You get to be your own boss. The reality is when you are a business owner, especially in the services industry like marketing and advertising, You may have gone from having one boss to having multiple (laughs) bosses now. Your clients are your bosses. You have a lot of people to answer to. And the bigger your company grows, as, as great as growth is, you are now accountable not only for your own paycheck, but for everybody else's paycheck as well. And, you know, the, the number of, of families and individuals you're, you're potentially touching and, and people are, are counting on you. So the, the notion of, oh, you get to be your own boss is, is such a misconception uh, because you are absolutely going from one boss to multiple bosses. Agreed. That is actually something that one of my professors told me when I first started out on my own. He's like, oh, so you want to have many bosses. You don't want just one. And yeah. I was like, I didn't get that until I think. I had about a dozen clients and I was like, he was right. But you know, there's some fun in it too. Oh, hundred percent. Absolutely. What about for those that are 
they've made a they made a gaffe, right? They made some kind of maybe it was not deliberate or whatever. Obviously, I don't think anyone is out there to maliciously attack anybody in marketing, but you know, gaffes happen, mistakes happen. And, and, you know, with the, the age of social media, you get trolled for any missteps. And I think a lot of people might be afraid to jump into this arena for fear that they're going to get attacked. So mm-hmm. what, what do you suggest for, for those that, that have made a gaffe or, or worried they're going to make a mistake? Yeah, no, I, I think, I think transparency and authenticity is so important, not just in, you know, in, in this field and in, in marketing or multicultural marketing, but just in life and business in general, right? People want to know that you are, again, authentic, you are real. If you made a mistake, you got to admit to it. You've got to fess up to it. Uh, and, but really be, I think, deliberate about what your intentions are as well. I think people shouldn't necessarily shy away from things just because, they may make a mistake or they they have made a mistake if they admit they've made a mistake they can learn from that and then course correct as well i have found that people in in most cases will be forgiving of you if you fess up and admit your mistakes but again admit your intentions as well i know in the field of multicultural marketing sometimes some organizations will they don't necessarily go about it for the right reasons and they, they're not fully authentic and, and transparent about what they're trying to accomplish. But the, the companies that do have that, that commitment, you know, from leadership right from the top down and understand that, Hey, this is about being more to all of our customers, not just some of our customers. And because we know that there's no one size fits all for customers and we want to understand how to better service them. And along the way, we might make some mistakes in that pursuit of being more, more, more things to more people, um, then, then that's okay. So as, as long as they confess up to the mistakes and be very uh, deliberate about what their intentions are, I think they'll be absolutely forgiven. So basically authenticity and focus. Authenticity matters. Authenticity in ethnicity marketing matters. There we go. There you go. Hey, that's like a new company right there. there there's your tag. There's your tagline. There's your tagline. Your new tagline for 2021. Okay. Well, <laughs> hey, Bobby, thank you very much uh, for your time today. It was great uh, to meet you and learn more about what you've done in your decades of experience. And congrats on the being on the board of of Hockey Canada and playing for Team Team Canada. Thank you. Thank All right, man. So any much. any last life hacks? Anything? Got anything? Cobra Kai never dies. <laughs> you know, my wife has a has a life hack that I found out last night. She she abandons her cart, so she goes to very much to the very last step okay. of of a cart, yeah. and she abandons it because apparently some I don't do enough online shopping to know this. They will send you deals now. Oh, oh, hey, you forgot about your sunglasses. Here's ten percent off. Yes. Oh, oh hey, I've, you forgot about. I've and so she that. does that. She delivers. She has. She has millions of abandoned carts in many different online accounts, oh, and that's wow. how how she saves us money. You know, one life hack that I learned about actually only after becoming a parent mm-hmm. is when when you're traveling anywhere with a stroller, like you get VIP access oh, yeah. to a lot of places. Like you, <laughs> you, if 
People dread traveling with kids, but you are also ushered to the front of the line in so many cases if you're traveling with kids or, or with a stroller. So uh, have those babies contribute to the Canadian population and uh, good things will happen. Yes, yes. I think the, the message of the day is have more babies, have everybody. More babies, have absolutely. more babies. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors Travis Jeffers and The Podfather. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.